we align the right capital solution with the needs and profile of that investment. And I think that that's really served us well and really helped set us apart. Sometimes that's our great partnership with the Carlisle Group and, and other institutional private equity. Other times that's a JV with a REIT. Other times, candidly, that's a fee-for-service development opportunity. Sometimes we've had physician groups who've come to us and said that they are looking for a developer and, and they want the developer to be a part of the deal. And we've said, it actually is in your best interest and we can help arrange this for you if you get 100% loan-to-cost financing, <laughs> depending on their historical operating performance. And we've been successful in doing that. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. In the next two weeks of episodes, I interview Ben Oaks, Chief Executive Officer of Anchor Health Properties. In this episode, Ben provides the background of the company and the story behind a couple of recent projects and what Anchor Health looks for in an opportunity and where. Next week, Ben discusses how Anchor addressed the pandemic effects with its tenants, how healthcare companies are designing future spaces with flexibility in mind, and how practices use their healthcare real estate to elevate their brands and become patient-centric. Well, Ben, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Thanks for having me. I always like to start with a background on the company history and how it got started. And I know Anchor has a good history and, and it transitioned from retail to medical um, some years ago. Sure. It's a great story and one that I love telling. It really starts with my career when I started in healthcare real estate in 2006. I was working for a small private developer. Uh, who's exclusively devoted to healthcare, real estate, after a stint working for a small consulting company in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I'm still based today. And for many years, it was just him and me and a part-time bookkeeper. So I literally learned all aspects of the business from the ground up. I immediately knew when I started in the business that healthcare real estate was my calling, and I loved everything about it. You know, I was a double major in finance and management in undergrad. And so I had some raw skills that could be applied to healthcare real estate, but really had to learn most things on the street. And I started out as a property manager for about 250,000 feet of medical office space, while also learning the development business with multiple medical office buildings and an ASC that I oversaw from a design and construction standpoint. And over those years, I became a certified property manager through the Institute of Real Estate Management and became a licensed real estate salesperson and then eventually a licensed principal broker in the state of Virginia. So coming from a developer background and seeing health system consolidation and physician practices being acquired as well, and this was around the time that the Affordable Care Act was getting passed, there was a lot happening in, in healthcare then. I saw how the decision makers for new developments 
and in general, real estate decisions were being made by the director of real estate or the CFO at the, the corporate health system level rather than at the local hospital. And so the traditional developer model of having a strong relationship at the local level was quickly shifting to one that was being determined by operational scale and one that I think requires demonstrated expertise across regions and being able to also provide a low cost of capital. Gone were the days at that time of 8% rent constants on non-competitive MOB developments. So the industry was changing significantly. In 2013, the developer that I worked for retired alongside a large portfolio sale to CNL Financial. And I immediately sought to start growing the business. Particularly, I was trying to build some scale in our management platform. And in 2014, I was approached by a healthcare investment bank called H2C about an opportunity to acquire Anchor Health Properties. I hadn't been looking to acquire another company, but this opportunity became more compelling as it presented an opportunity for scale within a larger geographic region. And there was a good development pipeline with it as well. Anchor had been in business over 30 years. Historically, it had been focused on retail. And the two co-founders, Lou Sachs and Paula Crowley, made a strategic shift in the, the industry downturn um, coming out of the savings and loan crisis in the late 80s to healthcare. And I think that that really caught on in the market region that they were operating in, in and around the, the greater Philadelphia MSA. And so they were looking to retire uh, within the coming years, and they needed to recap the company as part of uh, that exercise. Well, I didn't have much of a balance sheet at the time. And so I partnered with Chestnut Real Estate, who's a growing real estate private equity firm based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to help fund the acquisition of the real estate. Well, I focused on acquiring the operations. And then in 2015, closed on the transaction and merged the two companies. And, and we had a healthcare real estate management business and a healthcare real estate development business. Just before closing, we were approached by the Carlisle Group uh, regarding their interest in investing in the medical office building sector. And normally, when you think about real estate private equity, you think about short-term holds and more of an opportunistic mentality. But they had determined that they had a large group of investors interested in a core-plus open-ended fund that was focused on demographic-driven sectors, such as medical office active adult, multifamily, manufactured housing, et cetera, rather than the more cyclical and GDP correlated sectors such as office, hotel, and retail. So we advanced that conversation. And six months later, six months after I closed the Anchor acquisition and merger, we became known internally as Anchor 2.0 for a while then. <laughs> uh, but six months later, James Schmid, who had been running acquisitions uh, of medical office, for CNL Financial, and who was the, the group that purchased the portfolio that I referenced was sold in 2013, came over to Anchor to help launch our investments and acquisitions service line. And so if you've read the book, Good to Great, Jim Collins talks about the flywheel 
uh, starting to spin when all the right elements of a business come together. And I think that we've been really fortunate that all our service lines are, are all quite complementary to each other. And that flywheel is now spinning at anchor. So our, our primary service lines are healthcare real estate management, healthcare real estate development, and then healthcare real estate investment and acquisition. And so that combination has been really good. So when you first came over and put all of these things together, you were focused on development and acquisitions? Development and management. Management. So then, yep. and since then, you've built it into property management, acquisitions, and even it sounds like you do some raising of capital, you know, for some groups that might need it. Yeah, we. I think we're particularly adept at bringing the right capital solution to each transaction. And I think that's one thing that's unique about us as a private employee-owned company is that rather than having capital that, that has to fit a certain box, when we come across opportunities that are interesting to us and transactions that we believe in, uh, we align the right capital solution with the needs and, and profile of that investment. And I think that that's really served us well and really helped set us apart. Sometimes that's our, our great partnership with the Carlisle Group and, and other institutional private equity. Other times that's a JV with a REIT. Other times, candidly, that's a fee-for-service development opportunity. Uh, sometimes we've had physician groups who've come to us and said that they are looking for a developer and, and they want the developer to be a part of the deal. And we've said, it actually is in your best interest and we can help arrange this for you if you get 100% loan to cost financing, depending on their historical operating performance. And we've been successful in doing that with them. So uh, yeah, absolutely, we can help with capital raising. And, and again, I think we're, we're particularly adept at finding the right solution for each opportunity. Well, I'm going to come back to that in a second. You know, you mentioned in there that you got into healthcare real estate because you and stayed in it because you felt a calling. Do you mind sharing that? Because I, I, th- I think that those of us that are in this space and that are committed to it, we do tend to stay long term. But what you just explained of seeing the vision of putting all that together into one company that can serve the healthcare providers, I think takes some uniqueness. And and I think it all stems from the fact that you felt a calling to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when you look at healthcare real estate, one of the things that I love about it is that there are so many great things that are happening with every transaction. In the business, generally, you can earn a good living as a business owner and someone who's growing the company, uh, we're creating good, well-paying jobs. We are also a part of facilitating healthcare services in our communities. We're allowing our, our development team to create something out of nothing and to do so in a cost-efficient yet aesthetically attractive manner. We have the ability for our asset and property management teams, as well as our building engineering teams, to ensure that our properties are cared for and well-maintained attractive and presenting a positive image in the community and also for uh, the health system or their providers. We're focused on the patient experience and making sure that we're minimizing things like trip hazards and 
that the signage is good and that it's not a stressful exercise getting from the parking lot in to eventually see the doctor. And then even from an investments perspective, the ability to generate a good return for investors is great. And it's, it's not just, you know, some wealthy investor that you've never heard of who, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but instead lots of times, if you look at, at the makeup of who's investing in healthcare real estate, it's pension funds, it's retirement accounts and so forth. And so very likely there are multiple people that maybe we don't know of directly, but at some point down the line are benefiting from an investment within healthcare real estate. So particularly folks who are on fixed income, uh, healthcare real estate, I think can be a, a tremendous investment given the amount of cash flow that can be generated from a real estate investment while also still getting some capital appreciation. So those are some of the things that I love about it. Well, and you know, with the the size of both industries, and, and I'm going to jump around here from what I'd originally planned, just because I want to kind of bounce off of what you said. I mean, I think as we as we move through this pandemic, I feel that a, a lot of companies like yourself, as you're saying, I mean, in a nutshell, what you're saying is you you can partner with these healthcare companies and you can provide a variety of services, whatever they need. If if they can manage the facility, but you know, and you build it, JV it. I mean, you can offer them a partnership in their healthcare facility in a variety of ways, depending on what they want. And I think we all see this with large healthcare companies and small, and it doesn't matter. The problem is still the same. When when the healthcare company tries to own and operate its real estate, it takes away something from operating its healthcare company. And partnering with somebody that has an expertise and can provide services to support that healthcare company being able to still see, you know, some value from its real estate, but take the headache off of them and, you know, partner together so that they can focus on serving their patients, which I feel, you know, there's going to be a lot coming out of this pandemic, but some is going to be, you know, how, how do you care for patients when and where they need it? And how do you serve different communities, different uh, demographics, because as we all know, hospitals have a pretty low uh, profit margin and and having some sort of financial partner in the facilities could help improve the game for everybody. So do you feel like Anchor Anchor can be a part of this future vision? Yeah, absolutely. Good good question. I think that there's a lot in there to- Yeah, to unpack, unpack, definitely. Health systems, I, I think there's times and places where it makes the most sense for- them and, and also for physicians and other providers to own their own real estate. And then there's times and places where it makes sense for them to partner with, with another firm. Sometimes that's a financial decision. Sometimes that's a strategic decision. I will note that often when health systems and, and physician groups own their own real estate, one of the things you come across the most is a lack of keeping up with the capital investment that's necessary to make sure that buildings are, are kept up to the standard that uh, somebody who's incentivized by their own capital, mm -hmm. uh, a traditional real estate investor or developer in the same way that they would be focused on, on doing that uh, to make sure that they're attracting and retaining tenancy. And so I think particularly with our management platform that we can add tremendous value 
And generally, I would say our, our buildings are, are kept up better than the way that uh, providers do so. But again, there's always the right uh, time and place and strategic initiative for whether or not it makes sense for, for them to own or lease. And again, I think that we can bring the right capital solutions alongside those strategic decisions to really make sure that they're getting the right outcome that they're after. Right. Well, when you're a healthcare company and you have a hundred dollars and you have to spend it and you, you know, you have a great physician that you want to attract or piece of equipment that you need to invest in, and then you need to replace an air conditioner, which one do you think they want to do first? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And they're, there are always competing capital initiatives and there's always too little capital in order to fund them all. And another thing that, that we often see is maybe there ultimately is an allocation towards something, but even getting those funds deployed uh, can take a long time. And they may never get deployed if they run into an operational issue and, and have to put a pause on capital spending. Yeah, absolutely. As we've seen really throughout the pandemic as well. Well, I have a couple of properties I wanted to have you touch on. So you have a new development, which is a new behavioral health hospital attached to a hospital, correct? It's part of a regular hospital in Cleveland? Yes. So we're, we're working with Metro Health, and that's a, a new firm relationship uh, this year. Very excited about our partnership with them. And that is a new behavioral health hospital that's going to be constructed on their Cleveland Heights campus. And it's going to be combined with some of the other services on site that they aren't, they're not going to have to duplicate just because some of those services are already on campus. Uh, So we're able to get some savings in the total project budget there. Taking a step back, we went through a pretty significant exercise with them evaluating multiple different options trying to figure out what location was best and trying to make sure that we could bring it in line with the target budget to make the numbers work. And so ultimately we settled on on this location. We're all very excited about it. It's Anchor's first behavioral health hospital that we're developing. And um, we are doing it in a fee-for-service manner. We also had previously offered some structured finance solutions that I think were, were very attractive to them. We were able to bring their, their bond rating up for that project, essentially to an A minus rating from a, I think they're triple B minus, maybe they're triple B. And uh, that's a significant move that, that really lowered the total cost of capital for them had they pursued the structured finance solution that we offered. Uh, but ultimately they were able to find another internal mechanism to, to finance the transaction. We're, we're very excited about the Behavioral Health Hospital and it is off to the races. I think it's unique that it's attached to the hospital. Typically they, they're their own separate facilities. So. Yeah. And, and again, I think we're able to benefit by making sure that we're not having to duplicate certain service lines. And so it really makes a lot of sense for them. And then there's another property. I don't know if you want to talk to it, but I read about it yesterday that you guys actually got an award for a, a redeveloped. You did a repurpose and, and renovation um, on UC Davis, Roseville. So tell me about that. Cause I think that redevelopment and 
renovation of either existing medical facilities or other buildings into medical facilities is on the horizon. I mean, it always has been, but I, I see it more in the future. Sure. That's the, the Roseville Clinic with UC Davis, uh, just outside of Sacramento, California. And it's a 52,000 square foot redevelopment. It's a former corporate office park. And really in, in that area, um, there are very few places to build. And so health systems, as they determined that they needed to be in that market, UC Davis in this, in this case, identified that location and noted that they wanted to pursue installing a clinic in, in that building. And it's one of four buildings on that site. And we have a number of other health systems in that location too. So they're all very competitive with each other, as you <laughs> might imagine. Uh, and it's a great project. I, I will tell you the conversion from commercial office to clinical is a lot more expensive than folks who are outside the industry uh, really imagine. And yeah. you know, traditional office space, core and shell is not constructed uh, with the same standards that medical office requires. And so you've got to go into it with a healthy budget. And I think, thankfully, in this case, UC Davis was was well aware of that. But it, it's, a, it's a fun project and uh, one of many, I think, commercial to medical conversions that, that we've seen and will continue to see over time. You think that was more of a, they liked the location and, and it wasn't necessarily of redeveloping it as much as, you know, in California, sometimes trying to find locations for big buildings is, is challenging, but that the location was made a ton of sense. And so instead of building a new building, it was easier just to try to repurpose something that was there, even if you had to redo a lot of it. Yes. I, I think the location of this facility and, and also uh, that block of space combined with the the time frame that they needed in order to get the facility opened. Yeah. Uh, and as you noted, building in California, it, it can be a very difficult process. So when you look at all those things combined, it, it made a lot of sense and we're, we're thrilled that they're there and it's a great result. So we've talked about two projects in two different parts of the country. So do you guys have a focus geographically or do you more look at opportunities? Yeah. Good question. So Generally, we're very active in coastal markets and then across the Sunbelt. Uh, we historically have done very little in the Midwest. And I, I think that most of our focus going forward will continue to be, again, in the coastal markets as well as across the Sunbelt. Generally, that's where we already have scale and access to opportunity. We're familiar with those markets. and. I think our investments are, are doing well there. So there, there are also some tax and you know growth concerns that I think we're all seeing uh, in, in some of the states, particularly exacerbated now by, by COVID. Right. Uh, we're seeing it a lot more in the press. And those are things that we're also aware of and paying attention to. Absolutely. So when Anchor Health considers an opportunity, what is it looking for? Yeah, good question. So it, I think it begins with a supply and demand analysis within the market alongside evaluating the availability for future supply of healthcare real estate in that location. We are often looking for health system anchored buildings. Sometimes they can be physician anchored if the location is critical 
to their operations, and it's also great real estate. We're generally a core and core plus oriented investor. We will do light value add, and then most of our development is what you would call a build the suit development. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very little, if any, speculative leasing. That's basically an opportunity that we'll evaluate. And then it really becomes trying to understand the story, looking at the ecosystem internally within the facility and and understanding what's going on and and the cross-referral patterns amongst the tenancy, particularly if it's a multi-tenant building. We also want to understand that healthcare is going to be delivered in that building, regardless of who the provider is down the road. And that it'll continue, that healthcare will continue to be facilitated through that location really for decades to come. So that's ideally the profile of the transaction. I talked a little bit before about bringing the right capital solution to each opportunity. Uh, again, I firmly believe that not every deal fits in the same box. And some transactions you've got to look at a little bit differently. And you know, you can see a potential outcome with a certain type of capital profile. Again, I, I think we're, we're pretty good at doing that as well. Uh, but we try to remain disciplined and focused on markets that we know and like. And as I talked about, Coastal and Sunbelt are, are generating most of our attention. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.